0: And Everybody gets it back again Don't take no mess At the Rose Garden Raise us their own fire They're what we desire The men in black Can't handle it Other teams Can't it How they win that game today There's just one thing Yeah, I don't think this impacts player retention, right? Like, if you have good players already on your team, um, you're still gonna be able to to keep them. It seems like, uh, unless there's something else that I just don't know about yet, um, it's gonna be player uh, you know acquisition, right? Like being able to sign guys uh, for the for the taxpayer mid level, you know, being able to is played for uh trade for players on larger salary slots, right? Like now it seems like it has to be one to one um if you are above that second apron. But I, I think if you're a team that's like got four, you know, like like you said, the Cavs, like you have those four guys and you want to go over the apron to, the second apron to keep them, you're gonna be able to keep them. Uh, I think it puts a premium on the draft now for those types of teams. And I wonder like what the impact is gonna be on team behavior. Um, because now the draft might be really one of your few pathways to get those kind of cheap players, right? That you need to fill out the roster and still be able to play and be productive if you've got a bunch of either max guys or near max salaries on there. So um, yeah, you know, maybe maybe in uh, in future years, like a team like the Warriors doesn't sign Dante DiVincenzo, um, I don't know if it really matters if they can't sign anyone in the buyout market. Usually, those are just not really impact players no, altogether. And I wonder how much this will, you know, impact um, team behavior for those types of teams anyway. Because you know, like I assume if that's what you have to spend and you're willing to spend that kind of money to keep your potential title contending teams together, you're still going to do it and try to work in- within the new parameters. Yeah, and what you bring up
1: actually just had something pop into my head. I wonder if because you've seen the last few times uh one of these quote-unquote blockbuster trades has happened whether it's the Suns trading for Kevin Durant at the deadline or over the summer the Rudy Gobert Donovan Mitchell trades and then to a lesser extent the DeJounte Murray trade with Atlanta all of those trades saw teams the team trading for the big star or the guy that they thought was going to make them a contender and you know in the Cavs case it worked in the Timberwolves case maybe not so much but all those teams were giving up like multiple unprotected first round picks because that's just like the asking price. And I feel like, and you know, for, from a Blazers perspective, my understanding and what I've, you know, said on here and written a bunch of times is that Portland's plan this summer, assuming they can get the sh- stuff with the Chicago pick figured out, their plan is to whoever the next one of those stars is that's out there, they're going to put all their stuff in and trade a bunch of picks and a bunch of players and stuff to try to get one of those guys. But if, you're, if there's now this limit on you know, bringing in guys on the mid-level if you're at a certain salary level and getting a guy in the draft and having them controllable at a cheap number for a, num- for a few years is really the best way for good teams to add talent. I wonder if that's going to change whether the teams that are trying to get those types of players in the first place are going to be willing to trade as many first-round
0: picks if now there's such a premium on the draft. Yeah, maybe you could on the on the margins, right? But if you're end all be all, still acquiring a you know an all star star level player uh, uh-huh. eventually, you know to get the deal done, you're gonna have to get the deal done. Um, so maybe maybe instead of you know five first round picks, maybe it'll go down to four or something like that. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't. I'm guessing at this point. And I, I'm really very curious to see how all of this is impacted, right? Like every team is still trying to you know, not every team, but, you know, most teams when they make those trades they are still trying to win titles, right? They're still trying to get one of those 10, 15 best players in the league. And sometimes there's just a cost of doing business to that. And so I, I wonder if this will just be more on the margins more than anything else, rather than preempting any, you know, any of those star player trades or, or anything like that. And, you know, in the case of like some of those teams, even that have acquired star level players, like we saw Atlanta, uh, you know, trade what was it three first round picks for DeJounte Murray but yeah. they were still trying to avoid the tax this season right like financial considerations still come into play even if you are trading away multiple first round picks into the future
1: yeah and I wonder because and like I've talked to a few different people like I've talked to different you know agents and front office folks about this just based on the details and by the way since the term sheet hasn't been written yet people in front offices and agents only know what we know as far as what's been out there and what's been reported they don't have details about it that we don't have because the term sheet is still being written but i was talking to an agent that i know about this the other day and i brought up the idea that like i wonder if you know this second tax threshold is going to discourage teams from if this is going to be just something that you know the teams that don't want to spend money are going to use as an excuse to not spend money and the point that the agent made to me is that there's the players are still guaranteed a certain percentage of the mm-hmm. of the revenue so it's not going to actually change how much total money the players get but I do wonder from a team building perspective and from a fan's you know if you're a fan of a team and you want your team to go all in and try to spend as much money as possible to get the best team possible and, you know, try to go for a title. I wonder if there's going to be a perception that some of these teams are basically now have this second tax apron as like a go-to excuse for, hey, well, we couldn't spend this much money because then we'd be up against the, like, I wonder if it's going to discourage teams from
0: really even trying to, you know, get even close to that number. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It, it's kind of interesting because, you know, that's that's been the big thing about this CBA too, is like the BRI split hasn't been affected, right? It's right. still in that... It's um, still 50 you know, r- Roughly 50-50 uh-huh. split. Um, and so really the things that the league were pushing for, even, if, you know, like hypothetically, even if they got their upper spending limit, um, it wasn't at the cost of the BRI, right? Like the players were still getting their percentage. And here the players are still getting their percentage. Really, this is an attempt... To curb the actions of their most you know highest spending owners and teams right this is almost internescent for the owners in the way that the cba has come out um rather than kind of against the players as we've seen in past years and so it'll you know i I don't know it it might be that like maybe some teams want to use the second apron as an excuse and say you know we don't want to go there because it'll limit what we can do in terms of team building Um, I I still have to see where the tax penalties come out for hitting all these. Now you essentially have, uh, I think it's four financial quadrants, right? Right. You have sub luxury tax, you have between luxury tax and the apron apron, the the second apron and then second apron and above. So we'll see what the tax penalties look like on all all of those. Um, I I think my understanding is that while it's really trying to curb, um, you know, create more punishments for teams above those second apron, uh, it does seem like it's going to be easier to maneuver for teams that are you know, below the first apron, right? Like I I think the penalties are going to be less if you're over the tax. Um, So it's not as punitive. So maybe it'll kind of allow more teams to go into the tax every year as well. And so, uh, you know, maybe that brings up fewer excuses now for an owner who says, or for a GM who says, Hey, we don't go into the tax. Well, it's not as painful anymore for you to go into the tax. So why didn't you make that kind of trade or free agency acquisition? Right. So we'll see. We, uh, the hardest thing for all this is we have to see what like, the entire CBA is, right? right. Uh, because these things do work all in, as part of a system rather than just isolated rules um, out there in a vacuum.
1: What do you know about how this stuff is going to be phased in? They There's been some reporting out there that these new, this new you know the second apron and the penalties for it are gonna it's not gonna be suddenly this year once the CBA goes into effect in July suddenly all these rules are just in place it sounds like it's gonna be eased in it's like over the course of multiple years do you know anything about how that's gonna work or how gradual that is or when certain things are gonna go into effect or is that still just not out there yet
0: yeah I, you know I think what, what's been reported is out there obviously and um, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen immediately. That would be unfair to teams that have been working under one CBA and planning right. for this summer under one CBA. And then like three months before, you're like, hey, uh, we're changing the rules on you. Right. Um, I-, I think harsher, some harsher tax penalties will take into effect in 2025. We're going to have uh, caps moving when the next CBA, uh, sorry, when the next uh, TV rights deal comes in in 2025. So we're not going to have the same big spike like we saw in 2016. Um But, yeah, this is all going to be gradual and give teams time to be able to plan for all these and change paths, right, especially if you are trying to, you know, kind of punish teams that are, like, above that second apron. You at least have to give them a chance to get out of there, potentially, if they want to. Um, So we'll see how all this works out. But I I think it's not going to be all immediate, all on July 1. Where do you land on the midseason tournament? Yeah, that's
1: kind of my reaction to it also. Like, I'm willing to give it a shot. I don't think it's like... A, I don't think it's like this gene... I, I understand why, like, like Adam Silver is pushing for it because it's an extra thing to sell to whichever partner as far as, like, broadcast rights and stuff. I get it. And I get the idea that it's, like, a thing to, you know, you know, get people to care about the regular season. I just... I wonder how much people are going to care about it. And by people, I mean fans, like... You know, if, 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 let's say a team like, I don't know, like, because the thing is going to be in December. Portland was still doing pretty well in December before their season went sideways. Let's say Portland were to win the midseason tournament and they got this trophy and Damian Lillard got like MVP of the, of the Adam Silver, you know, presented by DraftKings midseason cup or whatever. Uh, our, and, and then, you know, like, you know, they're celebrating it. They're, are they, they're even, like, hanging a banner. And then, like, the greater discourse is, oh, this is just another thing that they did that's not a Larry O'Brien trophy. That's the only thing. Like, I feel like we're still, like, for, like, the greater, like, you know, what's going to get talked about among fans and what's going to get talked about on debate shows, I feel like this is still something that people aren't going to view as legitimate. And if you're a player, some of the younger players who are maybe on their first contract or are on, like, two-way contracts that $500,000 per player cash bonus for the winner. That's pretty significant, but like LeBron doesn't need that money. LeBron's not going to get up for this when he could be saving his body for the actual playoffs. That's kind of where I come down on it. Like, I don't think it's a bad idea and I think it could be kind of cool in practice, but I just wonder how much people are going to care about it.
0: Yeah. And that's a, that's going to be kind of the interest for me too. It's like, you know, who will be the who's the the crowd for this you know i think it could obviously like create some more premium nBA watching nights and say right. for the final four and a final right uh, create some more interest around then um in terms of the financials right like if you're a rookie if you're early in your career if you're uh you haven't made a lot of money five hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money uh so you see the incentive for them and I, I think at some point like even if it's not a uh you know even if it's not like a playoff game I I think even the stars will really get interested just be able to like play in a very competitive game early in the season I I think that'll play out like you know obviously the model for this is something along the lines of what we see in European soccer yeah Um, I think the difference is in European soccer when you have these you know tournaments that play over the course of the year you're playing teams that usually don't play here it's the same thing the same 30 teams um, that the NBA teams always play And, and in the future that could change we we heard Adam Silver say that um, at the all-star game press conference last month, uh, February, two months ago, uh, where he said, he, you know, maybe we could see some European teams get into the fray uh, years down the line. And we'll see if that's actually the case, right. To make it a more international model. And that would be pretty cool. Um, but for now, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I thought the play tournament um, actually turned out like really great. Um, I was maybe a little skeptical at first, but I think the product has been awesome. And uh, maybe they have ways to tweak this. And, and maybe it's just, as you said, you know, my theory is that this is just another kind of package that you can sell off to a third rights bidder uh, and create a way in for streaming to potentially get some, um, you know, get a rights package early on, especially if he goes in and starts next season, but ahead of the next TV rights deal. And yeah, you know, that's a value to the league. But, you know, I think they're just trying to find a way to make the, the league a little more spicy throughout the course of the year.